ask for it, all right? So throughout the last month, you've been submitting questions that we are trying to answer. If you missed our morning services, last week, Sunday morning, Bex preached on abortion. Wow, big topic, incredible message. Go online, listen to the podcast. It was a phenomenal message. Today, we had Dr. Sam Bloor. He talked about euthanasia, not youth in Asia, euthanasia. And he did an amazing job just unpacking the biblical perspective on euthanasia and assisted suicide. It was just an amazing message. Go online to our website, listen to the podcast. You don't want to miss that. Tonight, we are in for a treat because Pastor Haley Barrett is in the house and we love her, Haley. Elon Botney, can you give us a big welcome to Pastor Haley Barrett? Come on. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hello, hello. Good to be with you tonight. You guys are awesome. Hey, uh, before I start, I just felt like I had a couple of prophetic words and my first one was for Jeremy Jacob. The man himself, Jeremy Jacob. Hey mate, when I uh, looked at you on stage, I saw you weirdly buried up to your waist. And I was reminded about how a tall tree has a deep root system. I wanna say over your life that God has lifted you up because you chose to go deep. You chose to send your roots deep. God bless you, man of God, for choosing to go deep. But I had another word. Uh, This one's slightly stranger, so prepare yourself. Go with me on this one because uh, yesterday, when I was getting in the shower, which is always a weird way to start, isn't it? 20% of you were like, well, this is gonna be rubbish after this. But when I was getting in the shower, I uh, led with the heel, which as you know, is, is dangerous. When you get in the shower, I led with the heel and I began to slip forward. And uh, as I slipped forward, this leg kind of followed. And uh, luckily it smacked against the lip of my shower. And that hurt. But actually it was the thing that kept me from falling. And I felt like there were some of you here, you just got knocked by something and you're cursing that which knocked you. But you need to know that that was the thing that was keeping you from slipping. That was the very thing that was keeping you from slipping. And if that word resonates with you, take it, run with it. And for the rest of you, leave it behind and (laughs) leave the word from the shower behind because it has no fruit for you, okay? Let's pray, eh, before I get weirder. Father, we thank You, Lord, for tonight. We thank You for what You're doing. God, we lean into truth tonight. God, You say in Your Word that we should not be conformed to the pattern of this world. God, I pray right now, Lord God, that we would not have thinking which is conformed to worldly patterns, but we would have thinking that is conformed to kingdom patterns. And so right now, Lord God, we humble ourselves under Your Word. We are not so proud as we think ourselves judges over Your Word. Instead, we acknowledge that You, as the Creator of the universe, have words that do not pass away, like feelings or human thinking. And so instead of being judge over Your Word, Right now, we humble ourselves under Your Word. And we pray, Lord God, that we would be conformed to Your image. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen and Amen. Give it up for the band. Wow. They're awesome. Fantastic. Hey, well, recently, I don't know if you know, but we have a Bible college at our church. We call it Elam Leadership College. Uh, It's pretty cool. Uh, I think you should check it out. 
uh, this is going somewhere, okay? I just wasn't getting up to say it for nothing. But uh, we have students from all over our nation. It's essentially the Bible College of the Movement. And three times a year, we have block courses. All of our students, they come to Auckland. It's a good time. And one of the ways we structure it is that for four days, we have some night services. And so we do a bit of worship at night. We do a bit of teaching at night. And it's a good time. Sometimes there's ministry. It's fantastic. Uh, but this time, we decided to do something slightly different. We fooled this, I hope we fooled the students, but I'm not 100% sure if we did, but we fooled the students into thinking that they were coming in for a normal night service, but instead we locked, someone said not fooled, all right, fair enough, but instead we locked all the doors and we closed all the windows and we like decked the hall out. We had costumes, we had balloons, we had donuts, we had popcorn, and we played a massive game. And before you go freaking out that we're not teaching our Bible college students Bible, the game was a quiz on the Bible, okay? So don't worry too much. There was some Bible involved. But we also did some challenges. And part of the game that we played was there was a mascot on each table. And every team had a mascot that they had to defend. You got points, or the theory was, you got points if you stole someone else's mascot. And you lost points if your mascot was stolen. Now me, thinking that this is a Christian Bible college, I made the silly assumption that this would stay civilized. (laughs) It did not. It got physical very, very fast. There was tackling. There was rucks. For a moment there, I was genuinely afraid. I wondered if Luke Bro was going to fire me two months into my job, you know? (laughs) And one of my most enduring memories of Block Horse is seeing this pile of interns, and at the bottom was a growing man clinging to a soft toy as if his life depended on it. Because in this moment, nothing was more precious to that growing man than that itty bitty soft toy. How many people know that we hold on to that which is precious to us? And in that moment, nothing was more precious to the grown man than that little soft toy. That principle is important when we turn our attention to the question that we're going to be discussing today. Today we're talking about, can I lose my salvation? And the base thing I want you to know before we get into it is that God holds on to that which is precious to Him. God holds on to that which is precious to Him. This is what it says in John 10. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. See, if you came in under the impression that there was a cosmic tug of war over your soul, if you came in under the impression that God's got your soul like a rope and He's battling the forces of darkness which are on even footing, you are incorrect. God is the only uncreated being in the universe. There is no one who comes close to His power, to His might, to His wisdom, no one. And the Bible says that nothing can snatch you out of His hand. Now, that's good preaching, isn't it? But some of you are already asking questions. Because the truth is this. If you for any years have walked in the faith, you know people who started with you and have walked away. If you have been in church any length of time, you will have people who began following Jesus with you who perhaps aren't following Jesus anymore. What about them? What happens to their salvation? 
Now, traditionally, church thinkers and theologians have dealt with this in one of two ways. We call these two traditions the Arminian tradition and the Calvinist tradition. And the reason that I tell you that is I don't want you to be scared by those words. Because actually, they're just words to describe principles that you can probably wrap your head around fairly easily. See, the Arminian tradition says this. It says that you can lose your salvation, but only you can. It says that nothing can snatch you out of God's hand, but you can choose to jump out. The Calvinist tradition is slightly different. They say that if someone walks away from faith, that they were never truly saved. They were never truly part of the elect. They were never truly saved. This is what it says in the book of Matthew. It says, the one who endures to the end, they are the ones who are saved. Calvinists would say that those who endure to the end are the ones who are chosen. Arminians would say that those who persevere to the end are those who, with God's help, choose to. Now, we would slightly lean towards the Arminian side, but the thing that I want you to know from that discussion is both Arminians and Calvinists agree that it's those who persevere in faith, those who endure in faith, those who endure in faith to the end, they are the ones who are saved. And so perhaps today the better question, instead of can I lose my salvation, perhaps the better question is, what is the nature of saving faith? Because if I need to endure to the end in saving faith in order to be saved, then I better know what it is. Now there are two parts of saving faith. The first is this, repentance. The second is this, faith. Because guess what? Part of faith is faith, all right? Deep teaching tonight. And I wanted to break down these words for you for just one moment. Because the truth is this, repentance and faith, we can make them quite up in the air, can't we? Especially in today's day and age. See, I often hear people say things like this. They say, my faith is personal to me. My faith is private to me. I don't talk about whether I'm repentant. I don't talk about my faith because that's personal and private to me. Well, then how do you know if you're saved? What's the evidence of it? And so I want to talk about the evidence, some of the evidence of saving faith. This is what it says in Ephesians. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift, not by works, so that no one can boast. This is exciting. Paul is saying this, he's saying, just so you know, Your salvation did not come by your effort, by your merit. It didn't come because you measured up. It didn't come by your strength, your power, your intellect, your intelligence. Your salvation came the moment you put your faith in the grace gift of Jesus on the cross. That is how you're saved. But then check this out in the book of James. You foolish person. Strong start. That was in the Bible. I wasn't talking to you. I was like getting some aggression out tonight, eh? You foolish person. All right. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. You see, that person is considered righteous by what they do, 
and not by faith alone. What is that? Are Paul and James contradicting each other? Is the Bible contradicting itself? Didn't Paul just say that we are saved by our faith and grace, nothing to do with ourselves so that no one could boast? Is James contradicting what Paul said? Who's right? Is it Paul or is it James? Well, it's both. Paul is telling you how to become a Christian, but James is telling you how to act like one. See, Paul is saying this, hey, listen, just so you know, you did nothing to contribute to your salvation. That was a grace gift. But James is saying, hey, just so you know, the nature of faith is that it is not static, stationary. It does not stagnate. No, no, no. The nature of faith is that it moves. The nature of faith is that it acts. That's why Peter, on the day of Pentecost, when people say, what must we do to get saved? He gets up and says, repent and be baptized. Come on, somebody. We know that baptism's not necessary for salvation. How do we know that? We know that because on the cross, when Jesus was there, he turned to the thief and he said, today you will be with me in paradise. Now the thief didn't go, let me down before I die so I can be baptized. No, he closed his eyes and bam, he was awake in paradise. So what's Peter saying? He's saying, hey, listen, if you are repented, just so you know, the action that evidences your repentance is baptism. Come on, somebody, if repentance is an act of faith, then baptism is the action that accompanies it. Let me tell you, if you're here today and you are repented, you better be baptized because it is the biblical mandate that accompanies your faith. It is the biblical action which accompanies your repentance. Same thing with the scripture in Romans. What does Paul say? He says, believe in your heart in the resurrected Jesus. We know it's faith that saves us. But how many people know that your faith is accompanied by an action? So he's like, listen, don't just believe it, confess it. See, the truth is this. I'm not about confessionless Christians. Come on, somebody, because your faith is going to act. If I believe in the resurrected Jesus in my heart, you better know that my mouth is talking about it. You better know that you can't shut me up about it. Why? Because confession is the action which accompanies my faith. Yeah, you're saved by faith, but the true nature of faith is that it moves. It moves us to action. Today, I just want to quickly touch on those two points, repentance and faith. So if you're writing your notes, you can write down that word repentance because it's a good word. It's a good biblical word. Repentance. I need you to know today that repentance is more than saying sorry. Repentance is more than just feeling bad and saying sorry to God. It's more than that. Because you can feel sorry about something and not change, can't you? This is what it says in 2 Corinthians 7.10. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. See, the truth is this. All of us in this room, all of us in this room have felt bad about things that we had no intention of changing over. We felt bad about things, about behaviors, about situations that we have no intention of changing our actions on. The Bible does not call that repentance. See, what repentance is, is a turn. It's a turn from and a turn to. 
I want you to know that it's more than just a turn from. Because that happens in the world, doesn't it? Like, people can do that in the world. They're like, oh, I'm not eating right, so I'm going to turn from my bad diet and turn to a good diet. I'm going to turn from some bad behavior and turn to better behavior. But your pivot point is still yourself. You're still pointing at yourself. Repentance is a turn from my way, from my desires, let me push you, from worship of self, and a turn to God. Now, I need you to know today that that, oftentimes when we labor on that, people labor on that, they labor on the sacrifice. See, I've grown up in church long enough, I didn't grow up in church, (laughs) but I've been around church long enough um, to know this, to know that oftentimes people fail to come to a commitment to God because they're afraid of what they sacrifice. And I need you to know today that you've only got half of the story. Because I'm turning from something that was always leaving me thirsty again and turning to that which will allow me never to thirst again. It's a turn from and a turn to. Now I want today no one under the sound of my voice to come under any sort of shame or condemnation. Because I, um, I want to speak to a certain group. Allow me a second, and probably you're a new Christian. And if you're a seasoned Christian in this place, please allow me for a second to, to speak to a new Christian. Perhaps you're new to the faith and you genuinely repented of someone, something. And uh, you were going well for a while there. And then you tripped up and you fell. And now you're feeling under a bit of condemnation because you're asking, well, does that mean my repentance wasn't genuine? I wanted to speak to you just for a second. I'm going like, uh, like, to think that even if you were asking that question, that you were probably genuine. And I want you to know that part of the Christian journey is learning. See, the truth is, when we learn to ride a bike, we have an expectation that at some points we'll fall off. So you start to ride a bike, you go off a few rotations, and then you tumble off. What do you do? You dust yourself off and you get back on again. Because you know that actually part of the learning sometimes is the falling. And so you go again, and maybe this time you get a little bit further, and then perhaps you hit a pothole, you come off, what do you do? You dust yourself off, you get back up, you go again. Perhaps this time you get a little bit further, and then you come off again, and again, and again. But the key is you get back up again, and again, and again, and again. See, the truth is this. The greatest tragedy is not that you fell off. The greatest tragedy would be if you didn't get back up. See, the truth is this, we persevere in repentance until we learn to ride the bike. We get back up, we get back up, we get back up, we get back up again. Secondly, faith. And if repentance is evidenced by turning from sin, if that's what that is, then I'm going to say tonight that saving faith is evidenced by the fruit of the Spirit. Because the truth is this. When you become a believer, the Bible calls you a new creation. The old has passed. The new has come. The old ways, the old habits, the old attitudes, the old clothes, they don't look good on you anymore. You can stop getting your clothes out of that closet because you're new. You are a new creation. The old has passed and the new has come. 
And a new creation has some new fruits. That's why the Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. You'll notice I had to read those out. It's because I only got saved when I was 18, and so I missed memorizing them in children's church. <laughs> it's a struggle, eh? I can't t- don't ask me what number seven is on the Ten Commandments. I miss children's church. I don't know. It's rough. Your new nature is evidenced by fruit. Are you more loving? Are you more kind? Are you more patient? Come on, somebody. Are you more self-controlled? Are you more good? I'm not sure if that makes grammatical sense, but are you? You know? Notice that I didn't say perfectly good. Notice that I didn't say perfectly loving. Notice that I didn't say perfectly self-controlled. The Christian journey is called a journey because it's a journey. It's a journey. See, when someone comes into the house and they come in hate-filled, because some people are, because that's the nature of their journey. And when they give their heart to Christ, I'm not expecting that they go from hate-filled to perfectly loving. But I am expecting that they will be more loving as faith begins to work in their life and they begin to produce the fruit of goodness, kindness, love, patience, and self-control. Come on, if you're new in the faith, quit comparing yourself to a believer who has walked with Jesus for 30 years. Quit comparing yourself to the Instagram person who keeps displaying signs of their goodness. You were never meant to be conformed to their image anyway. In fact, there is a higher call on your life. Not to be conformed to the image of a person, but to be conformed to the image of God. Let me tell you today that perfection is where you're headed. Perfectly loving, perfectly good, perfectly kind, perfectly patient. That's the goal. That's where we're headed. That's where Jesus is taking us. And he don't do unfinished work or unfinished projects. He's going to continue to work on you till you get there, till he comes again. But in the meantime, I'm not focusing on perfection. Let me tell you what I am focusing on. Growing like a tree planted in the house, in his word, in his love, in his goodness, in his grace, in his truth, in his mercy, bearing good fruit until he comes again. If the band would like to come join me. See, the truth is this. A tree is never at its biggest or most fruitful when it's first planted. Tree is never at its biggest or most fruitful when it's first planted. See, the truth is this. You and I, we're focused on growing. Not growing separately, because I don't know if you've known, but the pattern of nature is that things grow together. So we're not growing as isolated individual trees. Oh, come on, somebody. We're growing as a forest. (laughs) We're growing together. We're planted together. Growing. Bearing more fruit of kindness, patience, goodness, until he comes again. So the truth is, tonight I'm staying planted. Planted through the pruning. 
planted through the trial, planted though the storm may better, planted when it rains, planted in the drought, planted when I'm not growing as fast as I want to be, or bearing as much fruit as I think I should be, I'm not getting discouraged, I'm staying planted, bearing fruit until He comes again. So there are people under the sound of my voice, I know Steve already did a salvation altar call, but I want to do it again. (laughs) Because I, I really wanted to go for a particular group. There might be people in this place and you've fallen off the bike and you haven't got back up again. Truth is, you don't even know if you want to. And I need you to know today that there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Us as your brothers and sisters, me as your sister in Christ, we are not disappointed or let down, but we will be heartbroken if you choose not to get back on the bike again. So our church in Manurewa, every Sunday we do salvation articles like you guys do here. And every Sunday, we see people coming home. Today in the worship, I witnessed as a guy who literally walked in off the street in the middle of worship, bowed his knee and gave his heart to Jesus. And then in the crunchy time, came up and got a crunchy for it. (laughs) And it is our absolute joy to welcome people home. It is our absolute privilege to see wandering hearts come home. But I wanna say that God is equally as delighted to say welcome back home to the wandering heart who has wandered away, but tonight is wandering home again. Tonight I wanna say welcome home, but I also wanna say to some people, welcome back home. And so with every eye closed and every head bowed, I'm going to keep this brief because you know who you are. If that's you, if that's you, you need to be welcomed back home. If that's you right now, would you raise your hand? You're saying, I'm coming back home. I'm getting back on the bike. Thank you. God bless you. I see that hand. Thank you. God bless you. I see that hand. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. I see that hand. Is there anyone more you're saying tonight? I want to be welcomed back home. I want to get back on the bike. Thank you. God bless you. I see that hand. If you've put your hand up, you can put it back down. Is there anyone else? You're saying, I wandered away. But tonight, tonight I'm coming back. Awesome. Church, I just preached that we should believe in our heart and confess with our mouth. So can we say this prayer out loud? Can we say, dear Jesus, I confess I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Today, I give my life to Jesus, holding nothing back. I turn from sin and follow you. Thanks to you, I'm free. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said. Can we give those people a round of applause? That was amazing. Two old calls in one night. How good is that? Hey, uh, if you made that decision tonight to follow Jesus, whether it was for the first time or you're coming back to God, firstly, congratulations. There's a party going on in heaven. And uh, we also want to partner with you. We don't want you to walk this journey alone. Um, Like Haley said, this is a journey, the Christian walk. And uh, if there's an Orange Connect card, there should be one on your seat when you came in. And we would love for you to fill that out. Uh, There's an option. 
option there that you can tick that you gave your heart to God. And uh, we're not gonna stalk you or anything like that, but someone would love to give you a call during the week and say, hey, what's up? We love the decision that you made. Is there anything that we can do to make this journey easier for you? And we'd love to partner with you for that. Um, we also have some things coming up, as you've seen, the One Conference. Just to remind you guys, if you haven't signed up for that yet, make sure you do that. It's free and uh, for all ages as well. So get on that as well. Next Sunday, we've got Pastor Steve speaking in the morning. And then we've also got Adam Frost from Papakura. Pastor Adam coming and sharing with us in the evening, which is gonna be amazing. Um, as we get prepared to take up our offering tonight, I would just like to share something really brief with you guys. And um, on Friday night, uh, you know, we've got the privilege of having an amazing youth ministry here. And um, I get to lead that alongside of our youth team. And I was reminded after talking to a couple of guys after the service of how impactful uh, some of the things that are going on here is and how God is moving. And they were just telling me how God had been speaking to them and, and confirming a whole bunch of things in their lives. And it was only like their third time at Oxygen. And I was so encouraged by that. And sometimes as a youth pastor, it can be so easy to to see the fall off the bike moments, like what Haley was sharing tonight. You know, you oh, flip, fell off the bike again, you know? And uh, often it can be quite discouraging, if I'm honest. And often we can get so consumed by the things that maybe aren't going right and forget about the things that are. And I'd love to encourage you because I know that a select few people here see what happens on a Friday night, but I would just like to tell you that honestly, there are so many on the bike moments. There are so many moments where people are experiencing God and not just experiencing Him, but falling in love with Him and going deeper every single day. And uh, so as we take up the offering tonight, I'd encourage you to not just think about, oh yeah, this is what I do. Even if you give every week, this is just what I do. Think about the lives that you're impacting from all ages. Think about the people who are encountering Jesus. So um, if the team could come forward with those um, buckets, that would be amazing. And um, we're gonna go into one final praise song, but before we do, uh, if you haven't signed up for a small group and you'd love to be a part of that, or growth track, or basically anything that we do as a church, you can do that on your Orange Connect card, and you can put those Connect cards in the buckets as they go by. But before we take up the offering, let's pray together. Lord, we just thank you uh, for tonight. God, we just thank you that so many people chose to follow you, Jesus. And uh, God, we just pray that as we give tonight, we'll know that we're not just giving into a, a show or, or a service that we come to just cause, but we're actually giving into a place, your house, where people radically are changed by the love of Jesus. And they go from that turning point, from turning away 